Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, and the Warriors are now 6-1. and one. They beat the young Charlotte Hornets in a game that was actually pretty fun to watch. There was a lot of energy in that one. I guess I'll start off by saying that the Warriors are playing pretty well, but they're still not playing clean, if you know what I mean. They were tossing the ball all over the court still. They're Achilles heel of turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. They only ended up with 16 because they got a lot better with that in the second half, but that's kind of why, part of the reason the Hornets were in the lead for a lot of the first half. But again, they did clean that up. This was our first chance to see LaMelo Ball this year, the guy that so many people are saying that the Warriors should have taken instead of James Wiseman. And I won't get into that debate because LaMelo Ball is very good. He's really entertaining. He's He knows how to play basketball. He's going to be great. James Wiseman, still a believer. It's hard to keep saying that. But the thing is, last time we saw him, he was just getting into a rhythm. And it's not really that fair to compare a guy who has been playing a lot more versus a guy who hasn't been on the court since April. So I'll just leave it at that. You know what I mean? Like, I'll leave it at that. I'm I'm glad LaMelo Ball didn't have a great game because then there'd be a lot of hand wringing and I would probably be like, oh man, you know, I, I, I wish we uh, maybe, maybe took LaMelo instead. But that's thankfully a conversation for another day because that wasn't the big story. One of the first things I noticed in this game that made it pretty entertaining was the fact that LaMelo Ball and Jordan Poole were guarding each other a lot at the beginning, and they were talking. They were talking a lot, and it seemed to get their competitive juices going, and Jordan Poole had the better night, I'd say. He was really energetic. He was really emotional. He basically had his best night of the season. He's had a lot of rough shooting games lately, and he was 11 for 21, 7 for 16 from 3, plus 28 with 31 points. He also had four steals and a few boards. So he was great. He was great. And he was exactly the dude that the Warriors have needed and have wanted him to be so far this season. He's like all the hype from the preseason. This was that and good for him for doing it on a national stage. And also in a game in which Steph Curry didn't play very well. Steph was six for 15, only three of 11 from three. He did have eight boards and nine assists, but he only had 15 points. And in the postgame presser, Steve Kerr said Steph was not feeling well. He'd been under the weather the past few days, not himself. So, you know, good on Jordan Poole for picking up the slack. But I just got to say that this is a game a year ago, or I guess several months ago, last season. If Steph is having a game like this, the Warriors are not sniffing anything close to a win. You know what I mean? They would not have been able to pull this off with last year's roster by far. Now they have a confident pool to pick up the slack. Wiggins had 14 points, although he shot really badly. He was 4 of 12 overall. I did like the fact that he was aggressive. He was going to the basket, trying to get into the lane for short jumpers and everything. His touch, kind of rough, 
you know, that's who he is. When he misses, just, just he bricks it, he bricks it. There's no like bouncing in, maybe going in. It's just going to hit the back of the rim or something and just pop right out. That's just the way Andrew Wiggins' shots go. And this was a Hornets team that was actually an interesting matchup for the Warriors, right? Because they have some young, quick, promising guys. They have P.J. Washington, LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges. But they also have Gordon Hayward and one of the Plumlee brothers. Which one is this? Mason Plumlee. And having those guys on the court actually slow them down a little bit. And that allowed the Warriors to play uh, Nemanja Bjelica a little bit more. He had eight points in 13 minutes, three for four, two for two from three. And that was huge. He had a couple nice passes and he is a little bit slower footed. So against purely faster teams, he's a little bit of a liability. But against this team, you know, you could put him in there for stretches. Kavon Looney, he had a rough rough start of the game. A couple times when he got the ball, he didn't seem to know what to do with it. He made up for it. He had a couple nice shots and some nice moments in the second half. But man, when you look at him, like the bar for James Wiseman is relatively low, if you know what I mean. I love Looney, great on defense. And that's actually why you're not going to see Wiseman super early. I mean, Wiseman would come off the bench no matter what, but Wiseman has to prove that he is trustworthy on the defensive end, that he can rebound, box out, not foul, block shots, all that stuff, be dependable. And once he can do that, then maybe he'll start earning more trust from Steve Kerr, trust from Steph and Draymond this season. But yeah, missing some athleticism in in the in the middle there. And every time you watch Looney, it's like, oh man, just can you just jump a little higher or just take that straight up? Love him to death, but it's it's just not not gonna happen. It's not who he is. And Poole, like I said, was a huge, huge part of this game. I mean, he was shouting and just hitting some big three-point shots. He kept the Warriors in this game and then helped them get the lead. But Gary Payton the second, how's that for a story? We've talked about how we wanted him to get that 15th spot. And when he finally did over Avery Bradley and after getting cut, it's like, wow, the dude can actually contribute in other ways. It was interesting to see some of the rotations Steve Kerr had with Gary Payton, Andre Godala, Bielitsa, Jordan Poole, and Draymond in the middle of the first quarter. And then Steph started the second and fourth quarters, which, you know, he doesn't do. His usual routine for the past several years is play the whole first quarter, sit for six minutes in the second, and then finish out the half, and then the same pattern in the third and fourth quarters. But this time, he played most of the first quarter, sat for a little bit, came back in to finish the first, and then he started the second and took a rest and then came back to finish. And I found that interesting. You know, it was a little wonky, but it's interesting and it's cool to see Steve Kerr try some new things and new lineups. I mean, it's early, right? Let's see what will work. The start of the second quarter was Steph with Damian Lee, Iguodala, Otto Porter Jr., and Juan Toscano Anderson. I mean, this roster, like I said, is just so much deeper with NBA players and They're interchangeable in the sense that like what matchup you have will dictate who gets playing time. And honestly, that's a little bit of a luxury, right? Having all these 
plug and play guys as opposed to last year where it's like, well, let's try to force this guy to the game because there's nobody else and let's, you know, square peg, round hole type thing. And in a way, you look at this roster and there's a lot of like Andre Iguodala types, the mini Andre Iguodala's in a sense. So you have Andre and then you have Juan Toscano Anderson, you know, can do a lot of things. Very tough glue guy, plays defense, can hit a three every now and then, but just plays smart and can facilitate a lot like Andre does. You have Damian Lee. He's a little bit like Andre Iguodala, but maybe more offense Andre than defensive. And then Gary Payton II comes in, plays his role, can play that tough defense. And he was the guy that, again, we've been hoping for where you take a lamello ball, these young star point guards, up and comers, and you put him on them and he'll slow their game down. He'll screw them up a little bit. He'll muck it up for them. He'll pick them up full court. I mean, Gary Payton, 17 minutes, six for nine, missed both of his threes, but he hit his free throws. He had five boards, three steals, and was plus 18. That's nice. That's nice from the alleged 15th man on your roster. I mean, technically, we always knew that spot would be ahead of the rookies. So, you know, even like the 10th or 11th man, you know, and nothing typifies his game and the difference between this team and last year's team more than the donkey threw down on Kelly Oubre, right? Like Gary Payton is a guy who knows his limitations, but is also a confident guy and he's there to play defense. He will play his role, but he'll let the game come to him and he'll have his moments. He had some really, really nice scoring plays. He had that dunk. There was a rebound, a big rebound in the second half where there were like three Hornets, missed shot. Peyton grabs the rebound and he takes a dribble away from the basket. Everybody thinks he's going to pull it out again. And then as he sees everybody moving away from the basket, he just pivots and, and just jumps up and lays it in. I was like, okay. That's a smart, savvy move. But he's a role player who knows his role instead of like a Kelly Oubre from last year who was a role player who believed that he was a $25 million a year player. I mean, his line tonight, shout out to everybody who wanted to re-sign Kelly Oubre, but Oubre was 0 for 4, minus 12 in 13 minutes. One rebound, one assist. 0 for 3 from 3. So... Yeah, ain't nothing changed for that dude. I know he's had a couple good shooting nights this year, but again, inconsistency, hot and cold, whatever. Oh, and one thing too, it's like, yeah, I've said this before and and whatnot, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, you know, I or anyone else who's been on the show is right, but I'll take Jonathan Kaminga over to Davion Mitchell any day, but I'll definitely take Jonathan Kaminga and Gary Payton absolutely over Davion Mitchell every single day of the year the rest of my life. The NBA is back and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster of Washington, 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 and, oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I guess with this team, you want to see wins. You want to be entertained. But bottom line, a refrain that I said a lot last year is like, you want to see progress. And this is progress, right? Pool look good. Peyton look good. They won't be like this every game, but neither will Steph. What you're seeing is the maturation of a team and the ability to have multiple guys come up big when you need them to. You're seeing a system adapt to its players and players adapt to the system. You're seeing the younger dudes get some playing time, whether it's a couple minutes in garbage time or if it's in a G League game or whatever. You're seeing a little bit of that. You're seeing them get into the culture, get used to the culture, and you're seeing Clay Thompson get healthier and healthier, right? There were a ton of clips of him in full uniform pregame shooting threes. He he dunked the ball, which actually when I saw that made me a little bit nervous, but all these things are trending in the right direction. And soon also, hopefully we'll start seeing Wiseman out there in two to three weeks, whether that's in Santa Cruz or just pregame warmups or in a real game. Trust me, I'm not blind here. I know that LaMelo Ball is amazing and he would be great on this Warriors team, but he's not on the Warriors. So I'm not going to pass judgment on James Wiseman at all because I haven't seen him play. And when I did see him play last year, I was all in. So I'm still all in. Am I all in saying that he is a better player than LaMelo Ball? Oh, hell no. But I'm all in in the sense that he still has crazy all-world talents. And as long as his meniscus is healed and he's 100% as a 20-year-old second-year player, I see no reason why he can't continue that upward climb. He has a low bar (laughs) in terms of expectations this year, a low bar in terms of what Steph, Draymond, Steve Kerr will need him to do this year. So yeah, I'm excited for that too. I'm excited for him to get back. This was a a game against a good young team that's been playing well early in the season. So, you know, it's it's nice. It's nice to to catch one of those. The next game is Friday against the really, really bad New Orleans Pelicans. And so hopefully that's not a letdown game. That's also a national game on ESPN. So let's uh let's hope that they have a have a good showing out there. With the Pelicans, I'm curious to see Trey Murphy the third. He's somebody that I had my eye on for the Warriors at the 14th pick. He's like a big shooting wing, kind of like Moody, more athletic though. Was one of those dudes who was like a six foot point guard and then grew like a like several inches and is like six eight, six nine. I love Moody, happy with Moody. Very curious to see Trey Murphy for a full game for the first time. Oh, and and the last, absolute last thing I'll say is I kind of like the uh, 75th anniversary uniforms or whatever these are, the 
the Nike City Edition uniforms this year. I guess we're not going to see the Oakland Forever uniforms anymore, but these these black ones, when they were announced and they posted photos of them, I was like, oh, those are those are not bad, you know? At first, I was like, uh, kind of look gimmicky. They actually look like Black Lightning, if you're familiar with the DC comic book superhero. Old school version and the new school version. Uh, you should look it up. Black and blue with like yellow and blue lightning bolts and stuff like that. So I was like, eh, I'm not sure if these are going to work. But tonight, they look cool. I like how it's really simple on the chest. It doesn't say Golden State Warriors or anything like that. And the lightning bolts, those were subtle. You know what I mean? I give them props on that. I ain't going to buy one, but um, I will not mind when they wear those, especially if they are still undefeated in them. Anyway, that's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com, and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.